0: Hello and welcome to another episode of B2B Now. In the previous episode, we were chatting to James and Lydia uh, from our uh, paid team about bringing in leads through that awareness uh, and to consideration phase of the buying cycle. In this episode, I'm joined by my colleagues Demo and Rebecca, and we're gonna be talking about what happens after somebody's filled in that lead uh, form uh, on your landing page. So typically that'll be something like a white paper download or a guide download. That kind of uh, lead where it's, it's, it's not something that specifically said, I'm ready to buy from you, but they're at least interested in getting some information from you. So welcome, both of you. So Thank how you. would we like to, to start this topic?
1: Um, I think it's important to understand why we need to talk about this in the first place. Because what we see a lot from marketeers is that they put a lot of effort into generating those form submissions, and then they pass them to sales but they're not really sales ready. So when you pass them to sales and the sales team follows up and then they discover that they don't really get much out of all that effort, then the next time you do it, you start creating this disconnect with the sales team where they wouldn't even be looking forward to receiving those um, leads. So it's important to understand what steps you need to take to turn those leads into something that sales will be excited for, and that's really creating a whole nurture journey that we can talk about, which is getting those um, the initial submissions, doing some work to get them to the point where you're confident that there is a sales opportunity there, and then passing them on to the sales team to do the rest of the job.
0: Mm-hmm. And obviously, that's- Rebecca is one of our uh, key content people within, within <laughs> BDB. <laughs> So I think content obviously plays a huge role in this because yeah. it, that's what's really helping drive people along. That's what's helped generate the initial interest and it's also what helps to get people through all the way through to that mm-hmm. end of that process.
2: That's exactly it. And I think like Dima was saying, it, it, when we think about the kind of whole content journey, there's a tendency to stop like right at the end of the interest phase, as soon as those leads might come in from a white paper or a webinar. But because you're, that's the stage where it's very high value content, but it's still quite low commercial intent. So people aren't quite ready, as you was saying, to engage with the sales team. They're not ready to buy a few yet. So I think the important thing is defining that entire journey, defining your audience, defining your theme, and then basing content on each stage mm-hmm. of the kind of commercial intent journey.
0: Yeah, because so I think when we've done this exercise internally for, for clients in the past, we've often found if we you know, just put um, like the buying journey up on a whiteboard and you start mapping out what content they already have, there's typically an awful lot at the awareness stage yeah. uh, and then quite often a lot at the very purchase stage where it's, here's all about our actual product information and technical specifications and very le- little in between that you'd really want to, to you know, share with people as they're starting to make that decision-making process. Would you agree with that?
2: Definitely. And I think with those, when those leads come in from that single piece of content, it's not a case of just following up immediately with a brochure or you mm-hmm. know, a data sheet, spec sheet mm-hmm. and so on. It's actually nurturing them you know with different kinds of content and that can be you know going back to the awareness stage sending them blogs you know like other webinars other kind of white papers and just carrying on engaging and then we can kind of look a bit more at then targeting with them that more commercial content so yes like I was saying they're kind of case studies brochures those proof points to Mm -hmm. equip them with all the information they need to make a purchase from you
0: yeah and I think that's often like you say it's a point where people often fall down they don't really have this thought out to that degree which means that you know, we've got a lead and as you say it goes straight to sales and the salespeople end up with the growing a lot of an, often animosity towards the marketing team feeling like
1: they're almost wasting their time. Yeah, and I think with B2B especially when you have those long sales cycles and journeys, you have to um, nurture people and you have the time to nurture them that's what makes it different from B2C where if somebody enters the system you can follow up straight away Mm -hmm. in B2B that's not always the case because they might enter the system because they're still doing initial research and they might be months away from actually becoming sales ready but you have to be preaching them you have to create those touch points and you have to Uh, stay top of mind and hopefully when they're ready they can Mm -hmm. know that you're the right person or the right company to reach out to and initiate that process. Yeah,
0: and I think to try and um, I I guess put this in a little bit of context, when we say awareness, it doesn't necessarily mean awareness of that company or that product, I suppose. It can often be uh, awareness or even pre-awareness. might be, I know in my role or my job that I have a challenge. And I need a solution to that challenge. But that could be, you know, you could be quite a long period of time away from understanding that there is a solution on the market for that. Uh, that there is a, um, and then there's obviously different solutions you need to start comparing and evaluating. So I guess um, the initial stage often needs to start with helping to identify what people's problems are and then, and then work through it. Mm. So how do we actually go about beginning this process? We've, we know we've got leads already or that we want to run a lead-gen campaign, let's say. Let's assume we're planning this earlier on. Um, How do we make sure that we're approaching this nurture
1: process correctly? I think it's going back to what Rebecca said. It's thinking about the whole journey from beginning to end, with that conversion from somebody entering the system to becoming a customer being included in the journey. Um, And for that, you need to have some sort of indicators that help you identify when somebody is ready, and that could be your lead scoring system. So when somebody enters the system, you start monitoring what actions they take, what content they engage with, Um, and it's really not all content is equal here, because some content will be far more valuable, like we can talk about the content, but I think it's important to know that if they engage with your videos, for example, and all of these videos are sort of educational. It, it, it doesn't really matter how many videos they watch, they won't be sales ready. You have to get them towards your more commercial content and once they start engaging with that, you can, you have to position yourself so they can come to you. But you can also create um, a lead scoring system where you can monitor and see when they're ready to be passed to sales to do the follow-up, so you can proactively go after them. But then you can't reach out and immediately start selling. I think you need to take a softer approach and start a dialogue where, when they're ready, they can reach out back and you can start selling then. Um, But you can't just see that they've engaged with your commercial content and start selling straight away.
0: Just for anybody that might not be familiar, can you briefly explain lead scoring and how that might work?
1: So that's um, going back to that user journey. Each action can be given a ranking and usually you have a score out of 100. When Once you reach 100, that means that you're ready to be passed to sales. That's like a very well-qualified um bleed. Um, and that's typically done through marketing automation systems. I think pretty much every system has something in place to help with that. So like Sepada,
0: Marketo, not all those, yeah.
1: help somebody with their lead scoring process. Yes. Yeah. And then each action on your website typically, but it can extend outside of your website with emails and other communication systems. Mm-hmm. Um, each action will be given a score and you can customize it. So it's based on your priorities, Typically, you have the low priority actions be ones and twos and the higher priority can be 10s. and mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you monitor this over time. Once you get somebody beyond a certain threshold, you can make an educated case that they would be ready to be passed to sales. Mm-hmm.
0: And I guess you, you might always find that there'll be some people that are, have reached this threshold that aren't ready. But I guess the point is, is it your... You're making sure that you're going to have a higher percentage of success than you would do if you just passed everybody through. And that way, sales won't be as frustrated with the whole process. And there'll be, I guess, a a key aspect of this is just sales and marketing alignment, getting those two teams working together and talking together.
2: That's exactly it. And I think that's one thing a lot of people forget because... You know, you need to equip your sales team as part of that content journey. It's not just about the content that you're sending out to all your us- users and your target audience. You really need to educate your sales team and make them feel equipped to talk like, with expertise and more effectively, Kind of, what, once they reach out, be able to talk on the topic and then convert that customer.
0: And how active a role do you typically have or active involvement do you have with the sales People in, uh, themselves when it comes to creating the content. Do you typically get feedback from them to, to help guide any of that content?
2: Well, not typically, but in an ideal world, we would be at the, the sales team and marketing should really like be talking mm-hmm. at the initial planning stage because there's no one who really knows the customer's pain points better than the sales team, mm-hmm. and their input is really vital to creating those personas that you can use to create the content that really kind of resonates with your audiences.
0: But I think this is why sales and marketing alignment is such a big topic, mm-hmm. because we know they're quite often misaligned. Yes. And it's more <laughs> the exception rather than the rule where they're, where they're actually working quite closely in tandem. So yeah, I think that's, it's always quite a big topic for us is is trying to encourage the, the marketing people that we typically uh, engage with to have those conversations and bring in that involvement from the sales
1: team.
2: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, um, With the previous podcast you were talking about how to get people to move from other platforms into your own system so that's getting your own data what that allows you to do is to track the um, the engagement better because you're moving away from linkedin and third party systems to using your own system where you can really customize the information that you see from which you can then define what actions need to be taken and when and um, What's important here is that once you qualify somebody as being a lead that needs to be passed to sales, you can give all the information to sales as to what content that um, user has engaged with. And that really helps them to customize the follow up. And what Rebecca is saying is that you can also provide content to the sales team that's not publicly available that they can use for that follow up. And that can be very well tailored and um, timely so that when they do the follow-up, it it's almost guaranteed to end up in a good discussion if not sales, but it will at least start a dialogue that can be very beneficial long-term. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, is just um, providing everything to your sales team that they need to be able to follow up effectively.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. So I think one of the, um,
0: things that we've mentioned along with this is obviously the idea of having a marketing automation system. And I suppose there's no doubt that having a marketing automation system like your marketers, Pardots or HubSpots will, will definitely make this easier. In your opinion, is having a marketing automation system required to make that nurture process work?
1: If you want to do it at large scope, yes. If you only have one campaign and relatively small business, I think you can do it without the marketing automation system. But in reality... Even MailChimp offers marketing automation and it's very affordable. Mm -hmm. So I think if you want to grow things and have the scope to follow up um, effectively and have your content delivered when the users are most likely to engage with that content, you should use marketing automation.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good point because I think when we start talking about some of the, the three systems that we've mentioned there, they're all quite expensive. So depending on the size of your organization, many large organizations who already have that sort of software yeah. but I think it's, it's important to note that there are, there are more affordable solutions whether that's the likes of your MailChimp which you say now has market automation built in or autopilots and things like that yeah. which are, are the more affordable end of the market but still give you some of that required functionality. Um, I think one of the other important points which I think I've seen put people off in the past is that when we start talking about creating nurture journeys and creating marketing automation journeys and creating all this content, and you start thinking about the size of some of your clients' businesses, the amount of campaigns they have going on and the amount of of content that would need to be created, it seems like a very sizeful task. Mm. Um, How would you recommend companies start going about this if if they've never touched it before and that's something they're interested in but they don't want to have a two-year process to plan everything out?
2: Well, I think if we look at kind of different content frameworks, you know, one, for example, we use is hero hub help and you kind of start with this kind of hero piece of content and then you have these different streams that are kind of solving customer pain points and you know pushing content out on a more frequent basis and with the beauty of this kind of framework is you can use that hero piece to repurpose into a lot of other pieces so it's not a case of really starting everything from scratch. Um, it's really kind of an effective way to build out content quickly mm-hmm. and all thematically as well because i think that's really important especially when we talk about segmenting our audience because we need to be sure that we're reaching them on the same topic and not coming them coming at them out of left field with something completely different that might mm-hmm. kind of switch them off or make them go cold again
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah that, that
1: makes sense and also if you have somebody who entered the system because they were interested in your educational content you can just instantly switch to talk about your commercial and product content Mm -hmm. because that's a big disconnect because that's not the reason why they joined in the first place so you need to do that over time and build them like when we spoke about lead scoring that's one way to think about it is you want to get them from the lower priority actions to the higher priority actions Mm -hmm. But you have to do this over time. You can't just instantly switch. Mm -hmm. So that needs to play into the content journey where you need to have your commercial messaging embedded but then build towards it over time so that you can actually get people to do the action that you want them without getting to disconnect from the original reason they wanted to join your system. Yeah, so they might, whether that was like they
0: watched a webinar or downloaded a white paper, that's very far away typically from I want to buy from you. So it's it yeah. slowly that's shifting right. the, their perception in the mind. So they they're building up a good image of your brand um, and, and understanding that your products and solutions might fit, and that they might have a need, and then then you slowly start to introduce. Maybe yeah. you should be talking to us about this subject. We can that's help right. you. Okay.
1: I think with webinars, especially that's typically just educational that's talking on a topic that interests your audience and most of those people don't join because they're commercially ready to create a new solution they just want to get that information Mm -hmm. and they enter your system but they haven't subscribed to future communications they can just join for that one webinar so you need to showcase what value you can offer by then becoming part of your newsletter programs, part of your user journeys where you can provide something of value over time, even if that's promoting other webinars. Mm -hmm. But you have to give them a reason to um, be interested in your communications. And then on top of that, you start introducing your commercial messaging, where it's more about how you can work together to create new products, for example. Or how you can sell them one of your products, which is going to solve one of their problems, as we spoke about, Mm -hmm. but it's finding the reason why they joined um, and then what solution they're interested in and then having the right content to be able to get them to convert and become sales ready.
0: So we're looking to, to basically segment the audience so that we under, we know that what we're giving people is what they're actually interested in based on what they are originally signed up for, but also their behavior throughout the journey. That,
1: I think that's the ideal scenario where you want to have your uh, content personalized to what topics the people who subscribe to your communications mm-hmm. were interested in.
0: And that's, I guess, where um, the point you made, Rebecca, is, is really important, which is understanding how you can produce content economically, let's say, so that you're you're not um, creating lots and lots of different pieces of content, you're creating one high value piece, like you say in this example, and then you're using that as, as something that you can help break down and expand on another topic without each one having to be reinventing the wheel, I suppose. And I suppose that's very much what we do within, within uh, BDB as well, including, in, obviously it'll depend on, on what company you're in and what you find easier, but for us, I think we often find the video content easier for us to produce some written content. So there's often different t- formats of content might make it easier and there's different ways to, mm-hmm. to, to help your,
1: your content machine scale as it were. Yeah, I think it's also finding a niche. Like if you find that everybody is making white papers on the same topic, then if you make a white paper, it's just another white paper that's Mm -hmm. available on that topic. But if no one's having webinars about this topic, then that's what you should do. You become the company that has webinars on that topic. Mm -hmm. So it's differentiating by content, but also by platform Mm -hmm. that helps you to stand out. So I think another point
0: that would be good just to explain briefly is when, we, when we're talking about these nurture journeys, what sort of channels are we talking about? Uh, if people aren't aware, marketing automation, at least in B2B space, is often more email-focused. Are we just talking about emails or do we see other channels being used to help um, put this content out to our audiences?
1: So because we're talking about more commercial content, that's not something that you want to put in front of everybody. Because it's not, it doesn't really help in terms of positioning yourself as a thought leader. It's more for the people who are interested in uh, your products and services, so they've identified themselves as being interested. Then you can follow up with that commercial content. So what we're talking about is more remarketing and reaching people who already express that interest. Mm-hmm. So that's that means that LinkedIn. It's a good platform if you do marketing there um, email obviously but also text messaging could be um, implemented to work for that because it's still using the first party data so it's using data that you have access to that's not owned by any other platform mm-hmm. um, yeah it's basically any way that you can get in front of these people more than once so it's not your first interaction with them is okay. suitable to built on top of that journey Mm -hmm. but they think remarketing via different platforms is probably the best way to utilize those platforms Mm -hmm. moving forward
0: okay I guess the other key point that's related to this as well is is thinking about whether or not the person that downloaded that white paper at the very beginning of this journey is actually in market or not because I think most of the time a buyer is probably not in market for a solution so I guess these nurture journeys are helping you stay front of mind so that when they are in market you're the person that they come to for a solution
2: I think one really important factor here as well is, you know, once they're in that kind of high commercial intent group or, you know, they've got purchasing intent, it's not making it as easy as possible for them to access that information. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people kind of gate brochures and things like that when sending this out. I don't. And I don't think that's the right approach. We should really be just making it as streamlined as possible yeah. for them to equip themselves with the information they need to make a purchase. Yeah,
0: it's always a, a slightly odd one. I think when you see somebody's gating a brochure because they're they wanting a brochure because they want to make a buying decision and that's yeah like this high buying intent signal. But you're you're stopping them getting it, and whether or not um, you you think they would or not, some people will be put off by that form. So you will lose some potential customers because they didn't want mm-hmm. to have to fill in a form to get that that That's brochure.
2: That's exactly it. And they've already taken a kind of high commitment action in the first place in the interest stage by, mm-hmm. you know, downloading that white paper, attending the webinar. They've given up their data at that point. So if they're reaching the stage where they want to access the brochure, as you say, you know, they're looking for the information to make a purchase. Okay.
1: So you can create content portals, for example, which are not accessible through your website. They're not indexed by search engines but you can send the link via email to your audience and they can go there and they can download content that's more commercially oriented and it might have things that, are a bit, things that you don't want publicly like mm-hmm. your pricing for example um, and you can personalize them because you have their information that's in your system and you can make it relevant to the people you're sending this to and you don't have to get anything there because if you have the right system in place you can see what content they engage on that page, and then that can inform your lead scoring, and then it can also inform your follow-up, because you have all that information accessible. Okay. Well, that's a really interesting subject, which I think we could delve into an awful lot more, but
0: I think we're unfortunately out of time for this podcast. So thank you very much, Dima and Rebecca, uh, for joining us on this episode. Um, If you're listening, please feel free to check out b2bknowledge.com, which is our free and ungated resource to help you navigate the B2B marketing landscape.